welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, relationships, and life itself. We're your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sitarani Palomar. And speaking of my lovely co-hosts, how are you guys this week? <laughs> <laughs> lovely. <laughs> lovely, yes. Well, this time of year, I'm so excited about all of the produce that's coming out, so I've been eager to get in my kitchen and start whipping up some, yes. some fun, delicious eats. July, this is the time. Mark, produce not really on your page, but what are you excited <laughs> about? <laughs> well, actually, I was, I was going to say something very similar. I was walking the market the other day, and uh, it was just... So nice to see everything in such abundance yes. and so fresh and vibrant and tasty. It's just like this is the time to just go enjoy what's in season. Yes. And how about you? Snap peas. What's <laughs> up this season with snap peas? Best segue Maybe, ever, by the way, Helga. Yeah. No, well, everything we can celebrate, right? We had amazing tomatoes the first of the year, which were really outstanding. And when tomatoes are really good, they're really good. With some McAvoy olive oil at a tour of Earl's Organic Produce at the Produce Dock here in San Francisco. Amazing tour. And I had snap peas that had just come in. And, you know, as you always say, Mark, make sure they snap when you bend them. And these were like dripping. These were the juiciest, crunchiest snap peas. So flavorful. It's just an exceptional year for snap peas as far as I'm concerned. So lots to celebrate. We had such a fun show last week. If you missed that show, check it out at organicconversation.com or iTunes, where all of our episodes are available as podcasts free of charge. And of course, you can follow us as well on facebook.com forward slash organicconversation for produce tips, recipes, and the latest and greatest on the real food movement and much, much more. And every week we talk about positive change here on the show too, organic food production, the latest research, ancient wisdom of nature, really anything in the world of conscientious living and health and well-being and today is one of those shows that i really look forward to that digs deep into the world of roots and leaves and herbs and knowledge transferred for thousands of years from generations to generations we're looking at herbs in this hour to be more specific healing with herbs the wisdom of ancient remedies you're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Wilkehi. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And coming up is our conversation with Cammy McBride, author of The Herbal Kitchen, as we are looking at the healing properties of herbs and the wisdom of ancient remedies this week, only here on An Organic Conversation. That and more when we come back. Stay tuned. <music> And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. On a backpacking trip with my dog a few years back, I got lost and ended up climbing a rather steep ravine on all fours, just like my dog, for an hour until I made it to the top, exhausted, dehydrated, and full of poison oak. A few days later, the itching started, and the next day my entire body was covered with a thick red rash. I went to a local herb store called the Garden of Eden and asked if there was anything that would help. The store owner gave me a salve that she had made herself, and I swear within three hours the itching had disappeared, and so did the red rash just a day or so later. All my life I've been fascinated by ancient remedies, wisdom as old as life itself. Always wondering who discovered the healing properties of, for example, herbs first. But that poison oak self let me experience firsthand how powerful a rather simple formula of the right natural ingredients can be. We want to talk about the healing power of herbs, healing with herbs, the wisdom of ancient remedies in this hour. And with us now calling in from Sonoma County, California, is Cammie McBride, herbalist and the author of The Herbal Kitchen and uh, her website, livingawareness.com. Cammie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. 
It's a pleasure. And um, we want to start with your passion. Uh, it, it seems like after hundreds, if not after thousands of years of using herbs for healing um, and culinary purposes, but really in this show focusing on healing, it seems like as a society we have fallen out of the practice of, of using herbs on a, on a regular basis. Before we want to hear your thoughts on why that may be, how did you fall into herbs? How did I fall into it? <laughs> yeah, where where did your passion for herbs start? <laughs> I fell into the nettle patch when I was a little girl. That may have started it. <laughs> yes. But my um, when I was growing up, I still had some food wisdom in my family. My great-grandparents were still alive, and my grandparents, um, we lived close by, and so I still I had some influence from some elders in my life, and they still foraged for mushrooms and harvested wild berries and went fishing and wilderness camping. And so I was really very fortunate to have my elders still very connected with the earth and with nature. And in about 1959, my grandfather became the first uh, recreation department director in Solano County. And he said, the problem with today's youth is they don't spend <laughs> enough time in nature. <laughs> and that was 1959. And so he started one of the very first, you know, there's all kinds of kids' camps now, but there weren't any kids' nature camps back then. And he started one of the first ones in Solano County. And I went to that nature kids' camp every day of the summer for all my childhood. I loved it. And I, so I started there. And he had people come in and do nature walks and herb walks. And I remember everything I ever learned on those herb walks. It was just like um, a bomb for me. Uh, at seven years old, I, re I just loved learning about that. And ever since then, anything anybody wanted to teach about the plants, I just I was I was all over it. <laughs> and now you are really a an, an, an nationally recognized authority. You're the author of a wonderful book. How, um, how when did you decide to make this a profession? Oh, let's see. Um, you know, I, in my early 20s, I started studying just with anybody I could get my hands on. And, you know, to much to my parents' and grandparents' dismay, they were like, you have a college degree. You could be doing something important. Hmm. And I said, no, but don't you know it was you that got me started? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You're the one that took me into the forest in the first place. And I'm just being creative enough to follow my heart and try to find a way to make this work in my life. And so I just started going from place to place, apprenticing, working on farms, studying with all the teachers at that time. And then eventually, um, it just I, I started teaching it to it, anybody who would listen. And now there's there are lots of classes, but when I started, there there weren't that many. And so it's just been yes. an incredible pleasure of the heart and really following my passion all along. And, and actually, you did touch on the on the point of exposure to nature as really and and the wisdom of the elders. Uh, we had a great show on nature deficit disorder uh, a couple months back. That um, you know, it's now a recognized. Um, phenomena and and um, you know the exact description of, of that is not an illness, but it's a, you know it's recognized by by doctors throughout that if you don't spend time outdoors, um, there are consequences to your health and well-being. Um, great show, nature deficit disorder. You know, and again a conversation. Um, we're talking with Cami McBride, who is an herbalist and also the author of the Herbal Kitchen, who's joining us from Sonoma County, California today, as we're looking at the healing healing power of herbs. So Cammie, let's let's go back to Helga's first question, which is why do you think people have fallen out of the practice of using herbs for healing? Right. Well, there I think there's many there are many answers to that, but one thing in this country, you you have this phenomenon of so many people moving and leaving their parents and leaving their elders and going out west and wanting to assimilate and so if you're wanting to assimilate with people from other cultures you're not going to wear grandma's herb talisman around your neck mm. <laughs> and you're not going to do all those old things that your grandma talked about because you stand out when you do those things and we had a period where that stuff just wasn't really important anymore and then you have in this country you know the 40s and the 50s and the whole onset of really big advertisement from pharmaceutical companies where people were just really um, 
taught, like even now, it's like our getting our health information from the television. And so this very calculated campaign to get people to really buy the drugs, buy the over-the-counter drugs, use the drugs. And so we, we cast our grandmother's teas and soups to the wind, and then, but we found that we still had belly aches and mm-hmm. we still had headaches. And so who did we turn to? We turned to our friend, the pharmaceutical companies, who said that they had the, the latest cure and, the, and, and what we needed. And mm-hmm. so we, we let go of all those old ways of home herbal care and started you know, purchasing over-the-counter drugs. And I find that really interesting because I think that that desire to mix certain ingredients to come up with the proper or the or the right the right mixture that allows us to feel better that's what I think pharmaceutical companies are doing they're doing it with different ingredients than what herbalists do but that that innate desire to create and mix things started by mixing herbs and now we're just doing it with different ingredients so that can still be harnessed and we can take it back and and do it in a more natural way. Right. I mean, it, yeah, it's our, it's our, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, see what we can do. And it's so wonderful. There, there is really a, a quite, quite an extraordinary movement happening of people coming back to, oh, what can I, this a whole sustainability movement. And it's such a thrill. And herbalism is part of that, because how do we take care of our home, our everyday common ailments? And we can do that with our garden, and we can do it very inexpensively, and we can take care of each other in a way that where we aren't taking harmful substances. Yes. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And, uh, Cammie, um, I live up in Glen Ellen, so I can appreciate that you're calling in from Sonoma County. Um, how complex is this world of herbs? How much do we know or how little do we know about all their healing properties? Oh, it's very complex. It's as complex as nature herself. It's, it's never-ending. It's endless. It's always new. It's old. I mean, there are new plants that we're discovering. There are new uses for plants. The plants are evolving just as we are evolving on this planet. We, are, we evolve together, and the plants are doing things that they didn't do before just as we are needing things differently. And so it's a very... You know, it's alive. The earth is alive, and herbal medicine is alive. And that's what's such a joy about it is that it, it's, it can be a very personal journey, a very personal process. And you can say, when I first started studying herbal medicine, my materia medica, my medicine, my materials of medicine was in general 400 plants. And so that was, you know, I was very knowledgeable and very big and important knowing all those plants. And now I use about 70 plants. And really, I use about 50 plants. And as I grow into each one of these plants and spend more and more time with them, I find that just a few plants, a deep relationship with a, with a few plants is enough. And we want to dive into that and hear more coming up next, the healing properties, how to use herbs in, in your home and for your family, and how is it to make tinctures and create some remedies that are simple and basically free on your own. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Well, 
And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palmer. We're talking about healing with herbs, the wisdom of ancient remedies in this hour um, with Cammie McBride, herbalist and the author of The Herbal Kitchen, who's joining us today from Sonoma County, California. Hi, Cammie. Um, getting into this subject, I was wondering, how do herbs work? How do they work in the body? How do herbs work in the body? That's a, that's a great question, and it's very a very broad question. You can say there's, there are many things that we don't know, and there are some things that we do know. And so to take and give some example, some herbs are incredibly nutrient-dense. They're, they're very high in nutrition. So you have something like nettles. Everybody's heard of stinging nettles, the plant that you fall in at the creek when you're a child. And that herb, when you drink a tea out of that, it's... Um, First of all, when you drink it in herb in a tea form, it's very easy to assimilate. It's much easier to assimilate the nutrition than trying to digest the nutrition from your food. And so this herb is high in calcium and magnesium and potassium and iron. And so one of the ways that this herb works in the body is that it provides really powerful micronutrients and, um, and vitamins, and it's considered a superfood. So some of the ways that herbs work is through their nutrient-dense um, value, and then the body is fed. And once you start giving the body the nutrition that it needs, there's a lot of healing that takes place. And as you know, much of our food is so much of our food is, is devoid of nutrition. Then you have another, you know, and each herb doesn't only work in the body in one way. Um, there are many, many hundreds of constituents within one plant. And so another idea is that another way that they work is many herbs that are very aromatic, like your sage and your thyme and your rosemary and lavender, they're very high in aromatic volatile oils. And these volatile oils go into the body and they are actually undigestible. And the body has to either urinate them out or breathe them out. And as these very powerful volatile oils cross the tissue in the urinary tract or cross the tissue in the lungs, they disinfect your tissue. They kill bacteria and virus on the actual tissue itself. So, many, so these very high volatile oil plants, like I said, lavender, rosemary, sage, they're all antibacterial and are cold and flu herb, herbs. And that's one of the ways that they work in the body in a very efficient way. Um, so if somebody was listened to the show and has you know fairly little uh, background maybe you know chamomile tea is uh, good for digestion and stingy nettle is a, is a very powerful um, you know superfood as you just said how how does one start what's a good way uh, for a lay person for an individual to start integrating more herbs into their into their life good I love that question and <laughs> that's why I wrote the herbal kitchen is because for 25, <laughs> yes. that's the perfect question. Yes, for course. 25 years, I, I, I've been teaching classes, and I teach the, you know, lots of different kinds and, so, and a lot of two-hour classes where I ask people, you know, what do you do with herbs? And, and the, what I hear people say is, oh, I don't know anything about herbal medicine. I don't really know anything about herbs, but I love garlic, or I love basil, or I love thyme. And so what I realized is that people are already having a love affair with herbs, and they're very deep love. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I like basil. It's, I love basil. Yeah. And so, or lavender, or, yes. yes. Or all of the culinary herbs that people cook with. Mm -hmm. So we start there. We start with the herbs that people already have relationships with, and those relate, that relationship is in their spice cabinet. And when you open your spice cabinet, there is rosemary, sage, thyme, parsley, cardamom, cumin. I mean, all of those plants, all of those spices are highly medicinal plants. And we just forgot. We think that they're there for flavor. And yes, they are there for flavor. But every single one of those plants in your spice cabinet is antibacterial, antiviral, and it helps with digestion. And so everybody already has 
a yes. medi- an herbal medicine That's test. That's a great point. Well, and Cami, something that I think is is really particularly interesting about what you're doing is, in the culinary world, people are really experimental and and understanding about the the tasting benefits of using herbs, and and somewhat they know there's a lot of vitamin C and parsley, for example. But when I'm on your website and I'm looking at your recipes, you, you've got they're remedies. It's not so much like cooking with it. It's not coming from the culinary angle necessarily. And I think that's the big unknown for a lot of people is that maybe you make a lavender salve or, or, you know, Helga talked about the salve that helps to reduce his inflammation when he had poison oak. Or I used to put lavender, a lavender peppermint on my temples whenever I got a a headache. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I think people don't, they don't have a relationship with that yet. So, so what's that next step? The next step is to, first of all, just realize what you've got <laughs> mm-hmm. and that it, it is a medicine chest that you have and that every one of those plants, they, they all do many things, but there's two things that they all do. One of them, they're all antibacterial. They help to fight off colds and flu, and they help to kill foodborne pathogens. For example, we pair ginger with sushi and fish because ginger is specific for killing foodborne pathogens in fish. And so all of these, like your rosemary, sage, thyme, all of those herbs, they are actually cold and flu herbs, and you want to start to think of them like that. So during cold and flu season, you want to add more of those things to your food. You want to learn to make teas with them and use them more. And instead of just putting a quarter teaspoon in that sauce, maybe you could up it to three quarters of a teaspoon. And the other thing that all of those herbs provide is that they are carminative. And carminative, carminative herbs are herbs that help you to digest your food. And we spend a lot of our energy on on digesting our food. And if you're not feeling well, one of the best things you can do is help your body to absorb and digest your nutrition. And so all of these herbs... What you want to do is start using herbs in every single meal. And you're saying... Yeah, you mean make it spicy hot, but to to herb every meal. And there's a relationship between the food and and the herb, as you just said, with ginger and sushi, if if people eat animal protein. But really, those combinations are um, endless. But you're also saying there's a direct relationship. It almost sounds like a um, a world that conspires to be there for us. When you describe, when I hear you describe the world of of herbs and herbalism. Um, you're talking about the relationship between the herbs and what we like and what we don't like, that we already have that relationship. And you even went as far as saying that that relationship is actually constantly evolving because the plants um, understand what we need, how our body needs change. And so the herbs change with that. We want to hear more about that. Um, I think it's a conscious relationship, even if we're unconscious sometimes. And really, uh, herbs are the bridge to our nutrition. Yes, we, we will herbs dive in. are the bridge. When you eat something, <laughs> if there are herbs in your food, you will digest it more efficiently. And it's just about remembering that. And that's the problem with fast and packaged food is that they're using chemicals for flavor instead of herbs. And when you start eating food that is not herbed or spiced, you will not digest it as well. And so we have to look at our spice cabinet and our garden and say, oh, this is the link. This is the bridge to our nutrition. All the slow food gardening that's happening. Well, it's not just about slow local food. It's about slow local medicine. Your medicine grows where your food does, and your food is digested by the medicine. (laughs) And that's Cammie McBride, herbalist and the author of The Herbal Kitchen. Again, her website is livingawareness.com. Cami, stay with us. We want to hear um, about the most potent form, fresh, dried, if you buy them in bulk at the store, what are things to look at, how to make tinctures, all that. But here is our weekly update from the world of herbs, no, produce, with our <laughs> yeah. very own produce expert, Mark Mokihi. Mark, what's in season? And today, What's in Season, we are talking about something that really reminds me of summertime. And a lot of time we think peaches and melons and that stuff. But really, summer for me is salads. Mm, Salads every day of the week, Mm -hmm. every 
two meals a day yeah. salads for me in the <laughs> out summertime. of your garden fresh so, yeah yes. yeah Crisp, so, so we're, we're going to talk to earl today about lettuce and just you know what's going on with lettuce so on the line of course we've got earl herrick the voice of the market from earl's organic produce in san francisco earl welcome to the show Good morning, everybody. Good hey, morning. Earl. Hey, happy Earl. summer. <laughs> uh, yes, happy summer. Here we are. And one of the things I look forward to the most in the summer is walking the dock. And you get to, so you get to see all the beauty that is eventually going to end up in your grocery store in, in your, and on your dinner table. And what happens at the market the product comes in big pallets, and, the, and then when people display them, as you walk down the dock, they open up the box and they tilt it at an angle. And, mm-hmm. and the, the lettuce is probably my favorite to see because, for me, it's like the flowers. I mean, mm-hmm. some, markets, mm-hmm. some vegetable markets have flowers and, and vegetables together. With this, the markets I go to generally are just uh, produce markets. So I look at lettuce, and, and those are the flowers of the market. And Beautiful. It's well, it, not only beautiful, but the variety is 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 expansive, and uh, generally there's a major, you know, half dozen to a dozen that are grown uh, com- commercially that you're going to see all the time. But my favorites, and I'm pretty sure yours too, Mark, are all these wonderful regional uh, little lettuces. And I'm saying little because most of them are. Uh, I think they're unique not only in the in the flavor and the, and the coloration, but of course the names like. Lola Rosa and Marvel of Four Seasons and Freckles and Deer Tongue. And they're just unique in their flavor and they make incredible presentations in the salad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, lettuce is grown all over the state <laughs> in California and it's grown anywhere where the cool temperatures uh, are going to be happening. So uh, in most areas, uh, in, in, the middle, in the middle part of the country, you're going to talk about spring and fall and then in the desert you want to get it in there uh, early early spring and late late fall so that heat is not there because they're not going to do well over 75 degrees and so gonna, most of that so that would that would tell me that most of our lettuce is coming from areas like coastal areas and things like that yeah the coastal this time of year mediterranean climate Right on the mark, exactly. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Now, and that production is going to be very strong until winter comes, where it's going to be a little too cold, where right. the production is then going to go to desert areas where it's got some warmth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is it right on the mark and not right on the Helga? I don't know. But, but we'll, <laughs> no, we'll discuss no, no. We that later. That yeah. <laughs> right on the Helga. That's I like that. Yeah. Maybe it's a German phrase. Yeah, so maybe maybe, you, maybe we can look that up and explain that next week, yes. Helga. Um, anyway... Well, that's that's great, Earl. And so it's a it's a good summer. There's a lot of lot of varieties out there. A lot of varieties. Again, it's been the, you know it's been warm in the valley and mild on, on the coast. So it's a, the production is great. And there's one other thing I wanted to note about the uh, appearance of lettuces, especially in something like a romaine, where you have these long ribs. What you'll see on occasion is a blistering on the rib, which is which is going to look like a translucent almost. Oh yeah, metal. yeah. Yes. Now that comes from in the, when it freezes and then when it thaws again, that blister will occur, hmm. and that's where that comes from. So you don't have to really worry about that in the summertime. Not in the summertime, but I did want to point out now because you know we don't talk about lettuce a lot, and you know when I first well before I was a produce guy, I'd wonder what that was about and. That's mm-hmm. what that's about. And mm-hmm. you can still eat it, right? Just because it gets frost damage um, doesn't exactly. bring the quality down. Actually, maybe it spiked the sugar a little, and that's an ex- That could very well be. Extra it's yummy. just a little browning and it's right, translucent. Right. Gotcha. It, it, it's a little cosmetic thing. Yeah, it cool. won't hold up as long, Good to though, know. for you. It won't hold up because it does break down the cells. Oh, gotcha. Very true. Yeah. Thank uh, you, Earl. Yeah, thanks, Earl. Yes. Delicious. Now, the one thing you do want to look out for in the warm weather is when it, when it gets, it, it can bolt. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that or not, Mark. Um, you mean where it gets a big solid head inside the head of lettuce, yeah, because it got too hot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's precisely what it's about. When mm-hmm. when it's in the ground and you got a spike of like a week long temperature, that stuff that lettuce is gonna grow incredibly fast and that will bolt on you, which creates that firm uh inner inner stalk that's, you know, trying to go to seed. And it tends to be more bitter too, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And one last thing, we all know about butter lettuce, and they've got some other names to it, also referred to as bibs 
and Boston, but they all kind of pretty much under the category of butter lettuces. Mm. Oh, so butter Boston's lettuce. yeah, butter so bib. Juicy. Butter lettuce. The three Bs. The three Bs. <laughs> Some olive oil. Yeah. Thank you, Perfect. Earl. We're going to have lettuce tonight. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot, Earl. See you and next week. Talk about, talk about little gems, Mark. <laughs> 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 well, we have in another show already, but maybe I'll see if I can fit them in. <laughs> Love thanks. the enthusiasm. Thank, thank you, Earl. Earl. That was the, yeah. That's actually one of Sita's favorite lettuces. And you know, the interesting thing is, lettuce has been been eaten by people around the world since uh, 40, uh, 4500 BC. And the ancient Greeks and Romans used to actually eat lettuce for its medicinal properties. So when you go to the store and you're, or the farmer's market and you're looking for lettuce, you want it to be crisp and fresh. And you want to choose lettuce that has really healthy-looking outer leaves because they actually have the highest nutritional value. And you want to avoid either limp or wilted leaves or anything that has you know brown edges. When you get them home, you separate, you want to take it, you want to keep, make sure your lettuce is kept away from your fruits and vegetables in your fridge. I've mentioned this before because the ethylene gas will actually help to wilt and break down the lettuce. Um, and so you want to keep it away from there. And one, one quick and easy way to do that is to store your lettuce in a Ziploc bag, and then that'll keep it from the gas. So that's an, that's an easy thing to do at home. When you, when you do want to use your lettuce, take some greens out, and just take off what you're going to use and wash and dry them and then layer the leaves in clean paper towels and place them in a plastic bag or even like a Tupperware container. And then pop those in the crisper drawer until serving time. That helps to dry them out a little bit. And the thing about having drier leaf lettuces, if you do add a dressing to your salad, you actually, it actually absorbs more of the dressing so you get more of that flavor in the lettuce if you start mm-hmm. with a dry leaf. You probably already knew that, Sita. Um and then before washing your lettuce, you know, just, like I said, just take off the leaves that you want and leave the rest of them intact to, and leave them in your fridge until you're going to use them. Now, if you're buying lettuce, a couple of the things that you want, you know, if, a couple of things to note is that iceberg, if you buy iceberg, and I occasionally do, I know it gets a bad rap, but I occasionally buy it and you, that'll keep up for about two weeks in your fridge. And romaine will keep for about 10 days. Where red and green leaf or some of those more tender leaf lettuces, you probably got about maybe four or five days, and then you should make sure that you've eaten them by then. And last thing is, you know where iceberg lettuce gets its name from? No, where? Well, bef- the, during uh, the first part of the century, they didn't need a lot of lettuce on the East Coast because there was no way for them to get lettuce year-round. And when so they developed the iceberg. They would pile it in rail cars and top ice on top of it. And ah. thus, iceberg. And so that ice on top of it got it across country in literally in rail cars. Just They would just fill rail cars with this iceberg lettuce. So that's what's in season. Thank you, Mark, for that weekly update, that window onto the produce dock of what's going on in the world of produce in the fields and in the retail store. Fascinating. Uh, you're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And this hour is dedicated to healing with herbs. It's all about herbs, the wisdom of ancient remedies. With us still from Sonoma County, California, is Cami McBride, herbalist and the author of The Herbal Kitchen. So, Cami, we talked a lot about culinary uses of herbs. I would love to hear about some of the other ways that we can use herbs for healing. Can you can you make some suggestions and um, and what it addresses when you use it in a way other than ingesting it? So there, there are as many ways to get herbs on and into your body as you can imagine. And um, I, I teach a year-long program where people come once a month, and we do all of herbal clays and herbal salts and herbal vinegars and cleaning with herbs and compresses and oils and salves and lotions. I mean, it just goes on and on. And I, I recommend that people choose something that they are interested in and also to pick one or two herbs and to really learn as much as they can about just a few herbs. So let's say you um, pick lavender, for example, and then you say, okay, what can I make with lavender? And you learn how to make an oil, and you learn how to make a salt glow, and you learn how to make a bath, and you can just learn you know, all different ways to work with one herb. Or you can turn your herbs, your lavender, into a lavender salt, and you can have half powdered lavender and half sea salt and salt your food with that. So I suggest that, um, you know, we, again, we find a few plants and then just go 
as, just go into it as deeply as we can. And one of the ways for people to really um, start bringing it into their lives in a simple way is not only with um, what we drink, drinking the herbs, but also doing foot baths. Foot baths, uh, making a tea with your herb, and then soaking your feet in it. It's a very simple remedy. And when you put your feet into the herb, it's, you are actually start to absorb many of the um, nutrients and you absorb many of the constituents from the plant into, the bo- into your body. And it's very relaxing. And many people don't like to drink tea. Many people don't have the impetus to take you know, big herbal baths or things like that. But it's something that you can do yourself, and it's a very simple thing that you can do for other people, is to make your herbal chamomile tea or make your lavender tea and then soak your feet in it. And if you're ever feeling not so well or a headache or a little depressed or just, you know, got the, got the funk going on, you, do, you make yourself a lavender chamomile or a lavender rose petal foot bath and you soak your feet in it. And then the herbs work you over through your feet. It's, it's really a wonderful thing that people can introduce and bring into their lives wow. and just do foot baths a few <clears throat> times a week. That nice. sounds so luxurious. And you mentioned home cleaners, too. I think that's a really interesting topic because we, as a society, spend so much money buying cleaners that may have all kinds of chemicals in them. And this is virtually no cost if you're making your own home cleaners. Correct. In, in my book, The Herbal Kitchen, I have a, an entire chapter on making herbal vinegars, and it's a very simple process of steeping. Remember, I talked about all of these herbs being antimicrobial, antibacterial, and that includes when you clean with them. And so we steam our house. We, we, may, we, we do what we call fumigating and um, ha- like steam the tea in the house. And we also make herbal vinegars, and we steep the rosemary and the lavender and the chamomile in the vinegar and then strain the herbs out. And then we clean everything with that vinegar, from the toilet to the windows to the countertop. I don't use anything else. Wow, and I'll bet your home smells really lovely, too. (laughs) It actually smells really good today. We just made a bunch of herbal medicine this morning, and and the whole house smells really delicious. We want to learn about the most potent form and what you would use for what, uh, fresh dried as a tincture. We're speaking with Cami McBride, the author of The Herbal Kitchen and uh, also an herbalist from Sonoma County, California, joining us today in this hour where we're looking at healing with herbs, the wisdom of ancient remedies. Cami, stay put. We'll be right back with more. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com.
And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. This hour is dedicated to healing with herbs, the wisdom of ancient remedies. With us is Cami McBride, herbalist and the author of The Herbal Kitchen, who's joining us from Sonoma County, California today. Before we dive back into that interview and learn about the most potent form of herbs, fresh dried tincture, um, and more. Here is our very own Sita Rani Palomar, Chef Sita, with her holistic bite. Well, my holistic bite is a weekly update on the world of holistic nutrition as well as sustainable fashion and skincare because overall lasting health and beauty is addressed not only with what we put in our bodies but also what we put on our bodies. And in the summertime when we are consuming more lettuces, we are getting so much vital water because they're so hydrating and refreshing and so great for these hot summer months. And they are also a great source of vitamins. Lettuces are rich in vitamin A and vitamin K. And I think they make really great wraps. We're used to putting them in salads, but it's like an instant transport mechanism of a plant-based burrito (laughs) where you can roll your favorite toppings in a really cool, refreshing, hydrating lettuce wrap. And we talked last week about watermelons being in season. Watermelons are also extremely hydrating with more than 90% water content, and they're a terrific source of lycopene, which is an antioxidant that reduces the risk of cancer and heart disease. So you'll find on our website at organicconversation.com and our Facebook page a recipe for watermelon lettuce wraps with avocado and pine nuts with a little surprising salty twist from sun-dried tomatoes. And you can also mix it up with herbs since we're talking about lots of healing powers and delicious quality of herbs with basil or mint or cilantro, whatever inspires you. And this recipe is so packed with flavor and so hydrating and refreshing for summer, you get all of that flavor. You don't need to add any oil necessarily. The avocado gives it a nice creamy texture and a good amount of fat, and it's just light and refreshing. And in addition to that, it's also a great skin refresher meal because vitamin A and lettuce is beneficial for your skin. It's um, It helps with skin clarity in terms of wrinkles and breakouts. And lycopene in watermelons reduces the redness in your skin and also works as an SPF, protecting your skin from ultraviolet damage. So always so much to learn about how our foods are helping us on the inside and the outside. And that is this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we're still with Cami McBride, the author of The Herbal Kitchen, an herbalist from Sonoma County, California. Cami, before the break, you were talking about different uses of herbs, not just ingesting it from um, you know lotions to uh, teas to foot baths even or fumigating your house with um, the healing scent of rosemary and other herbs, what is the most potent form of herbs, or can that not be generalized? Is it fresh, dried? What, what is your, does that depend on the, on the herb? It, it does depend on the herb, and, and what's amazing is that every herb is different, and some herbs you have something like a, a mustard seed that once you dry it, it lasts for years, and then you have other herbs like chickweed that you dry it in, they only last for three months. And you really actually need to learn that herb by herb. And that's why I'm always suggesting people to learn one herb at a time or a few herbs at a time and to, to go slowly because that, that is really such a broad question. And it's, um, you know, we're also the, when we ask for potency, what, what are we asking for? What, what is it that we're looking for? Are we looking for something that to use every day or occasionally and what i'm really interested in educating about is how how people can use herbs in their everyday life for nourishment and prevention instead of needing some really big bang super super potent thing to come in and um, take care of it quickly because even with herbs when we start using more of the stronger herbs they also too can have side effects and so, again, I'm very interested in everyday nourishment and prevention. And one of the ways that I like to do that the best is with simple, old-fashioned teas. And people you know, people know about green tea and peppermint tea, but there's so much that you can do with herbal teas on a daily basis. And you know, we know that we are what we eat, 
but we also are what we drink. And so every time we drink something, we have the opportunity to nourish and mineralize. And we have just an enormous breakdown in this country of what people are drinking and especially what children are drinking. And so if we can teach our children and teach each other to make tea, we make tea in our household every day. And that tea, we not only drink it in the morning, but then by the afternoon, the tea goes into our smoothies, the tea goes into our green drinks, the tea goes into, we steam our vegetables. We, we use that tea for in many, many different ways. And at the end of the day, it's not used. Um, we put it in a bathtub. <laughs> hmm. And so when, you, when we talk about recipes, um, I know you have a lot of great, great information on your website, livingawareness.com, and of course in your book. But for a tea or a foot bath, what's a simple, can you overdose on rose petals? It might be a silly question, but uh, how do you how do you go about I love it? That. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're so psychic. I was just going to talk about rose petals. Yes, and because they're the perfect plant for right now. Rose petals they're nerving, they calm the nervous system, and they're cooling. When you make a tea from rose petals, they cool your body down, and they're also high in nutrition. They have calcium and they have um, vitamin C. But how how do you do it? You take a handful of rose petals, or three, four, and you put them in steeping yeah, water for two minutes or how does so what you do is you take either one tablespoon of dried rose petals or you go into your garden and you get two tablespoons of fresh petals we usually use more when we use fresh herbs because fresh herbs contain water and they take up more space and so we put that into um, a cup into we would put one tablespoon of dried herb or two tablespoons of fresh herb into one cup of water and you can either um, bring that simmer that you know just not simmer it, but just warm it on low but however roses actually steep into water without heat and so you can put these rose petals into your water and put the lid on your jar and just let it sit for a few hours and then you can drink that rose water or that rose tea water and it, it will um, be very nourishing for you Right now, during these hot days, it's very cooling, it's very calming, and um, it's and it's a cardiovascular tonic also. And for foot baths, you would just use, you know, m more amounts of rose petals, like more volume? No, you actually or can do the same. We do a couple tablespoons of herb per cup, but I mean, you can put in as much as you want into your bathtub. But it's as simple as going out into your garden, bringing your rose petals in and putting them into your bathtub, putting in them into some water, for tea and also rose petals are very good steeped in vinegar you can steep fresh rose petals in vinegar for a couple weeks and strain them out and that is an excellent remedy for sunburns mm. really? you put the vinegar directly on the sunburn that's apple cider vinegar and it will sting for a moment just like a couple seconds not even a moment and then it pulls the heat out and it helps to heal the sunburn so when you, when you um, I mean, rose petals, hopefully you have in your own garden, right? You just go to the rose bushes, um, get a few petals, and you can make your tea right there and then. Is that the idea? Yes, absolutely. If you buy herbs from the store, what do you look for? What, how can you make sure when you're buying, for example, bulk herbs, that it's the quality you want, it's the, it's the, it's the type you want, they're dried right? Right, and usually it's, it's a lot about the store. What's the integrity of the store? Do they have a good herb department? And, um, you know, so because a lot of uh, bulk departments, the herbs sit around for a long time. And so you, you want to use your senses. Herbs to speak to us through our senses. That's the way they communicate to us. And so you smell it. And if you've never smelled it before, then you're going to start smelling it in every store or everywhere, or, and you try to smell it fresh. So you know what a good quality fresh smells like. And, and, so, and you also look for color. What color should this herb be? Should it be bright, bright yellow? And very often it's brown <laughs> in the store. And so we look for scent and we look for color. And we also look for the texture. What's the color of the herb? What's the texture of the herb? Is it still in any kind of form? Or is it just a, in a form that we can't even Brittle. recognize anymore? Yes. And then when you bring them home, of course, you want to, I would assume, um, store them cooled and, and dark. Airtight. Your, your food, your, your herbs are like your food. And so, I mean, we used to have cellars and we have pantries. 
and our pantries are usually cool and dark. And the big thing is not a lot of temperature fluctuation because when the temperature gets hot, cold, hot, cold, then the molecular structure expands and contracts and expands and contracts. And then it wears out, and it, it, it goes bad much quicker. And so you think of it like your fermented vegetables or your canned foods or your, yes. what you've got canned. Or it, it's like they belong with the food in the pantry. And there's a great website for much more. I know the world of herbs is so vast that, of course, we could spend months and months on this topic. But we're out of time at this point. That was a very quick hour. More information on your website, Living Awareness. Dot com Again, livingawareness.com or, of course, through your wonderful, wonderful book, The Herbal Kitchen. That's Cammie McBride, herbalist and author um, from Sonoma County, joining us today as we're looking at ancient remedies, the healing power of herbs. Thank you, Cammie, for joining us today. Wonderful to have you. Thank you for your work. Thank you so much. Thank Yours you. Yours too. Thanks, Cammie. Thank you, Cammie. I think that giving people an opportunity to make herbs in their own home is an opportunity to take your own health care into your own hands, right? Because for the things that you can create yes. with an herbal remedy, then you're you're meeting the doctors halfway. You're not expecting them to do everything for you. If you have a headache, if you have a stomach ache, you can create something at home. You can reduce your cost. You can reduce your waste and you're being a part of nature. Yes. And the nature part, actually, I, I do think that some medication over-the-counter drugs, you know, prescription drugs, are really effective, and yet you are putting a chemical into your body. So there is, uh, by default, a, a certain imbalance created. That's why you know when you see commercials, it's one minute on the side effects. They you know they come at a price, literally out of your pocket and out of your health. So if you have to have them, you know then you have to have them. But they do come with a lot of side effects and create further imbalance. So I agree. Um, the more we can rely on nature and build a certain solid foundation, the better. Yeah, and I really liked uh, what Cammie was saying about slowing down. And just with herbal remedies is actually if you make them, if you pick the herbs and you create something for yourself, it's actually slowing down and actually participating and being present with your health. Yes, becoming present to our lives. Wonderful. Yes, herbs, it's where it's at. Yeah, and that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We're your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. <laughs>